Dr. Andrew has shared the gospel with many Muslims in his work in the Middle East. And he says that you and I can share our faith with Muslims as well. The first step is don't be afraid to try. Muslim will not bite you when you talk with them. Seriously, Muslims are just like us. By the end of the day, they just want to put food on the table. They are just normal people like us. The only difference that we had the blessing of becoming Christian and to know Christ. And they are maybe in the queue. They are on the way to get there. And uh, so don't be afraid from them because after all, they are just a human like us. Today, Dr. Andrew will give us strategies for effectively engaging with others about Jesus Christ. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. I'm so grateful that you're here this week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Last week, we began a conversation with Dr. Andrew. Now, that's not his real name because we're trying to protect his safety. He helps the Voice of the Martyrs with projects in the Middle East, and that takes him into some very challenging places. Last week, he began telling us how we can share our faith with Muslims. And when we left off, he was telling us that Talking about faith is is not a big taboo with Muslims. They appreciate being able to engage with you and talk with you about that particular subject. Let's pick back up with Dr. Andrew. They are eager and they are requested in the Quran. The Quran is teaching them to go and talk about faith. So that's a door opener for us. Now, like Christianity, Islam, you have uh, good Muslims, uh, faithful Muslims, and you have just a traditional nominal Muslims. People that they are just Muslims because they are hanging around in Saudi Arabia or in, in Yemen or in Oman. Just everybody's Muslim, so I'm Muslim. They don't practice Islam. They, they Sometimes they drink. And you have others that they are really strict Muslims. They, they do the five prayers if they are Sunnis. They do all the readings of the Quran, all the prayers, everything. Just like a Christianity, you have the, the two the extreme of the spectrum. But the vast majority, I would say, because it's a cultural thing, Islam is a cultural aspect. They are more strict. Now, in the Middle East, especially in the Middle East, people are very orthodox in their Islam, and they really know their Quran. They really know the Hadith. They can quote the Quran for you over and over again. And very few of them ever read the Bible or see the Bible or see a Christian in their lives. And they have an advantage because the Quran is written in their language. They speak Arabic, so they, they can speak read Arabic, it. Exactly. And the Arabic that we read is very close to the Quranic Arabic. It's not the same, but it's very close. So they can read the Quran, they can understand it, they can become a part of it. Absolutely. When someone from that background becomes a believer in Christ, maybe they, you know, they go on the internet, strike up a conversation, someone leads them to faith, or they find a Bible online or some other way, begin to read the Bible begin to follow Christ, what happens to them? What are they likely to face in terms of challenges and persecution if they leave behind Islam and follow Jesus? It all depends on the immediate family. So if your immediate family is a strict Muslims, you are in trouble because they literally have to report you to the government. The government, the Islamic government, will give you three days that you reconsider your decision and think about it more If you come back to Islam after three days, you should be okay. 
Um, otherwise, you should be killed. And it's very much like the first church. In the church in Acts, we read about people who came to faith. They got rejected by everybody. They were kicked out from the synagogues. They were kicked out from their families, and they were they suffered for the sake of... They had to run for, for their lives. They had to I run mean, for... That, and absolutely. That's, that's still often true in the Middle that's, East. And actually, the church, I think the church in the Middle East represents so much the church that we read in Acts, where people are coming from a very legalistic background. The, their mentality is religion is something for me to please God with, rather than what Christianity is teaching, that God was willing to come down to us and to go on the cross for our sake. And that's because they are coming from Islam. The, the church in, in Acts, they came from Judaism. And both Judaism and Islam, they share some commonalities between them. And they are both legalistic religions. And that's what Muslims are facing. With theology, they, they, it takes them time to understand how Christianity functions. And especially it takes them longer when they are being persecuted, going to jail and suffering for the name of Christ. Can you share a testimony or two from people you know that, that have made that that change, that have come from Islam to follow Christ, and kind of what persecution they've faced? Yeah, so one of the stories that comes to my mind right now is for for a brother of us from the Arab Peninsula that um, this person was really, really, really rich. He had his own companies, he had his own work, and... One day he came home and he found his wife that he really loves. And he told me, like, I've never loved anybody as much as I loved my wife. He said he came to his home and he found that his wife was reading Christian literature. And he was really furious. She downloaded stuff from the Internet. And he was really furious because we are Muslims. We don't read this stuff. Um, and he, he, he shouted at her and he threatened her, if you keep reading that, I will divorce you. And he told me, he said, I was never going to divorce her. But I was just threatening her because we are Muslims. We don't read Christian stuff, right? So he said later, nine months later, she uh, got pregnant, gave birth. And as she was giving birth, she died in the process. Then he said after that, I was in my phase of grieving. And I was grieving for this, uh, for, for the loss of my wife. I went to my sheikhs and imams, asked them, where is my wife? Is she in heaven or in hell? And they said, well, we don't know. So he said, what do you mean? He said, Allahu alam, God knows where she is. We don't know. Uh, because in Islam, you don't have what we call in Christianity assurance of salvation. Uh, you don't know where you are going. You know, it depends on God. God in Islam, God practices his attributes out of his will. Unlike Christianity where God practices his attribute out of his nature. So God at one day, he can be just, then he will decide, you know what, today I don't want to be just. And that's very normal. You know, he can be faithful today and tomorrow he's like, Huh, forget about it. So he said, I was I was shocked. I did not know what to do. He did some acts of, of charity in order to to gain points on his wife's behalf. And so for, for his imams, they said, we don't know if that's going to work or not. Then he said, one day I was looking through her computer and I found a Bible that she downloaded. He went to his company, printed the whole Bible, went to his farm, and for a month, he did nothing but reading the Bible. Wow. One of his friends reported him to his family. His father uh, brought him for three days of repentance. He refused. They put him in jail for five months. This brother just suffered for five full months until the point that they took him to the ICU because he was almost to die. Then after that, his father felt sorry for him. 
He said, I will release you, but I will declare you to be crazy and you need to leave the country. This brother has a daughter and he said, you will not see your daughter anymore. So our brother went and went into another country and from there went into a third country where he's seeking to take a refugee status. But he said, when I went to the other country, I was the very first thing I wanted to do is to go to a church. Wow. So he said, I went into a church and uh, I went to the pastor of that church in that country and I told him his story. And his reaction was, are you crazy to leave all that to follow Christ? He said, he looked at me, he oh said, my. he said, brother, the five months of persecution did not hurt me as much as this statement. Wow. So anyway, now he's in, he's he's in a different church now. I he's hope. in a different church, yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> he, he is in a different church, and he's plugged with with another fellowship of of believers. And now we are hoping in this year he will get his uh, his status as a refugee, and uh, then after that he will get the passport and the citizenship of that country. And the nice thing that the very same person that reported him to the secret police, he felt guilty, and now he arranges for him to see his daughter twice over Skype. Wow. So I asked him, I said, how was the first time you saw his, your daughter? He said, I told her that I'm your father. She said, no, my father died. He told her, well, I'm not dead. I'm alive. But even if they told you that I'm dead, and even if you forget anything about me, just remember one thing. His name is Jesus. That's the only thing you need to care about. Wow. Um, so that's one of the stories that's really impact, impacted me and always reminds me that persecution is a reality in our lives and that's part of the Christian faith and I think I want to encourage our readers to pray for that daughter uh, just pray that mm. that legacy of faith Amen. somehow some way God is going to reach her and and pass down that legacy of faith to her we're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs radio with Dr. Andrew he is one of our contacts working in the Middle East uh, Andrew let's let's talk about Yemen. There's a war going on in Yemen, but you would almost not know that by watching American media. It is something that is completely off our radar. It doesn't get talked about. What's happening in Yemen? Can you kind of explain what's going on? And then how does that affect the Christians there? Actually, nobody can know what's actually really <laughs> happening in Yemen right now. As you say, there is a blackout on, on the on the situation by by media, and that's for m many different political reasons and the some of the countries that they lead the war against Yemen are so super rich and they can silence everybody else um, and that's sad but the humanitarian crisis in Yemen I have never seen anything like it in my whole life um, it's just people are starving I get videos from Yemen all the time and I see people shooting each other for food and just to grab like a piece of bread or uh, some wheat here and there and the humanitarian aids are coming to work in Yemen. But this is where the problem is. Usually, you will have a big organization that goes into Yemen to help in serving uh, or providing aid to the people in Yemen. But the problem is that they only work with local uh, indigenous groups. Now, most indigenous groups are the only ones that have access to the country. And they are all Muslims. They will only give people who are Muslims. And that's, that's the challenge because Christians are becoming more and more known that they are Christians and they are not Muslims and they are not getting any of the aid that goes into that country. 
Uh, Voice of the Martyrs have been uh, providing help and aid for so many different Christian families in Yemen, for the underground church there. And um, the underground church has had made the decision that part of this aid, they want to use it as a tool to reach out to their own communities. I remember one of the stories that one of the church leaders in Yemen went into a family and as he was a Muslim family and that was as he was giving them food, they said, like, who sent this food? And he said, well, Christians in America send this food. He said, but, you know, we are not Christians. We are Muslims. He said, yes, they know and they don't care as long as you are in need. They want to help you because God, their God taught them to love everybody, not only Christians. And that was a, a door for him to share wow. the gospel with this with this woman. So I would say that even in the midst of, of persecution, in the midst of war and famine, God has not forgot Yemen and things have not gone out of God's hand. He's still in control and he's utilizing persecution to glorify his name and to bring more and more people to know him as the one true God. Let's talk, Dr. Andrew, about reaching out to Muslims here in the U.S. Because one of the things we want to equip our listeners to do is strike up a conversation with their Muslim neighbor or coworker or classmate and and have that conversation lead down a pathway that ultimately, hopefully, they get to talk about Jesus and they get to talk about their faith and, and what Jesus has done for them. A lot of us are scared of that conversation. We feel like, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about the Quran or I don't know enough about Islam or I don't know enough about the New Testament to be able to really sound like I know what I'm talking about in that conversation. How do you advise us to reach out to Muslims here in America that we know, or even just that we run into in, in the store? So that's a really interesting question, because when I do trainings about engaging Islam and minister to Muslim, I feel that people are afraid from them. And I'm going to give a flash news to, to your listeners today. Muslim will not bite you when you talk with them. <laughs> Seriously, Muslims are just like us. By the end of the day, they just want to put food on the table. They are just normal people like us. The only difference that we had the blessing of becoming Christian and to know Christ. And they are maybe in the queue. They are on the way to get there. And uh, so don't be afraid from them because after all, they are just a human like us. Now, praise the Lord that in the New Testament, when we see all the apostles, they were just like us. Peter was just a fisherman. You know, I don't think he had a, a, a PhD from Harvard in the New Testament studies. <laughs> you know, I, I doubt that he had anything like it that. It seems or, like the Bible would have said that if it was true. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so God actually always in history used common people. So just you need to know who God is, what what God has done for you. Now, saying that, knowing what the background that Muslims are coming from, the theological background that drives them, it will make the conversation easier. Uh, when we talk about why Muslims don't believe in Christianity, well, you might think of so many different aspects, but when you know the basic that actually the whole reason that they don't believe in, the, in, in Christianity is that they don't believe that the Bible as we have it today is the inerrant word of God. They believe that it was corrupted. And that's the whole reason why we have Islam. Which is very interesting because now God is able to protect his word in the Quran, but he wasn't able to protect it before because the Jews and Christians screwed it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I say when, when you share the gospel with Muslims, start with the inerrancy of the Bible in a very simple terms. Why God will choose for his word to be corrupted? 
one example in, in the Quran, it tells us that those who will follow Christ, they will, will, they will have the upper hand. Well, we are following Christ, and but still you think that our Bible has been corrupted. There are verses in the Quran that says the Bible cannot be corrupted. What about all the manuscripts we have? What about, logically, why will God allow one scripture to be corrupted and the other one not to be corrupted? That does not make sense. God is all-powerful. He can preserve his own word. So I think the biggest thing that your listeners need to, to think of are two things. The first thing, really to see Muslims as Christ sees them. Just fallen human people like all of us that the grace of God wants to bring them to faith. And the second thing, they need to understand the basic of why Muslims believe what they believe and how they view me as a Christian. A lot of, I'm sure a lot of your listeners don't know that Muslims feel sorry for, for Christians. <laughs> that you are, oh right. my goodness, you are You're really... Confused. You are <laughs> confused. You, you follow the Trinity? How is it even possible that the Trinity is something that God will, will present to you? So these are two things that they, we need to, to equip ourselves, equip our churches to do, and always prayers, because our goal is not to convert people. We don't know how to convert people. Our goal is to present the gospel for them, and the, the, the Spirit of God will work on their hearts to bring them to know Him. Amen. I, I love that answer, and, uh, and like you said earlier, this is not a conversation that Muslims are afraid of or embarrassed about. Absolutely they not. want to have this conversation. They want to talk about faith, talk about their faith, hear about your faith. So I just encourage our listeners, strike up that conversation and, and just be bold and share how much God loves Muslims. He wants them to come to faith in Christ. Dr. Andrew, you know, we've talked about reaching out to Muslims here in the United States are there some particular resources that, that you would recommend to equip us as we're striking up those conversations and trying to reach out to Muslims around us here in the U.S.? Absolutely. Well, the first resource, and it's by far my favorite resource to start with, is the Bible. Because if, <laughs> if you don't know the Bible, if you don't understand your Bible, it's the inerrant Word of God. It's sufficient to and have everything we need for our salvation. If you don't know that, if you don't know what, what the Scripture says— you have no message to present to people. You cannot present the gospel aside from the Bible. So you start with the Bible. Then I would always, I have always been recommending these two resources. I think they are very useful. The first one is for a, a dear friend of mine, Dr. James White. He wrote a book called What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Quran. I read it a few times, and I think it's a wonderful resource. It really equips the uh, the saints to know Quran more, to know Islam more, the development of the text of the Quran. It's very easy reading. It's rich of information, but it's very well written in a way that helps us as Christians to communicate the critical points to Muslims. The other one is a little bit lengthy book called uh, Answering Islam by Norman Geisler and Abdus Salib. I think it's it's wonderful. It, it discusses the basics of, of Islam. It's three sections. The first section is what Islam is, the basics of Islam. The, the second section is talking about the differences and why Islam disagrees with the Christianity. The last one is how to answer some of these questions. I think these two resources are the best that I can think of. They want to equip the church to reach out to, reach out to Muslims. There are a lot of resources online as well you can uh, follow and, and listen to and read. But these are two, you can start with, with those two books. 
And if you'll come to vomradio.net, we'll actually provide you a link to order those books. So you can do that. And actually, a little part of your order will come back to VOM to support our work. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dr. Andrew. He is one of our contacts working in the Middle East. As we finish up, Dr. Andrew, our goal always is to equip people to pray. Uh, So how can we pray for, and I'm thinking particularly the Arabian Peninsula, Yemen and Saudi Arabia and the nations there, how can we pray kind of generally, and then specifically, how can we pray for the church, for the Christians in those places? Let me talk about about Yemen, start with Yemen, because it's it's really a country is on my heart, and it's going through a lot of, of suffering right now, not all because of religion, but also because of the politics that's taking place in that country. Pray for, for the country itself, for peace to take place in Yemen, for the war to end in Yemen, for all the conflict and the killing, and people are dying with thousands and thousands. Just pray that God will stop that that war from taking place. And pray for the church in Yemen as they are growing, that God will give them more freedom in the country to preach the gospel and will manifest for them in, in their lives. And people will be able to see God by looking into the lives of these Christians. I pray for people in Saudi Arabia as sometimes money just blinds people from their need of God. So pray that God will just open their hearts and, and the media will expand more and we will have more and more people coming to know God and, and be equipped and and to be indigenous missionaries within own, their own countries. Um, the Arab Peninsula, I, I think, from all the fields that VOM works in, the Arab Peninsula is very unique considering all the finances and all the money that they have. So it's really difficult country for missionaries to get in, difficult country for, for the church to thrive in. But despite that, Christ has been building his church. Pray that um, we will have more people coming to faith. We'll have more workers and missionaries going there. And to pray as VOM is trying to stand behind the local church as a silent partner, equipping them, helping them, and utilize the resources that we have in the West in expanding the gospel in the Arab Peninsula. And I would add to that, pray for whole families to come to Christ. As you've talked about the fact that often the family is is where the persecution starts, pray the whole family comes to Amen. Christ. Then they, then they won't persecute each other. Um, so, Dr. Andrew, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for being a voice for persecuted Christians. Uh, and thank you for joining us this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me, brother. Thank you for everything you do. And God bless you all. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with a guest that we're just calling Dr. Andrew. He works on projects in the Middle East with the Voice of the Martyrs, including some very sensitive places like the Arabian Peninsula. I'm so grateful for his wise counsel. Know God's Word. And when you're talking with Muslims, stick with what's in God's Word. You can't go wrong there. And we know that God will use his word and his spirit to draw people unto himself. That's not just good counsel when talking about your faith with a Muslim, but really talking about your faith with anyone. If God has used the Voice of the Martyrs Radio to help you share your faith with others, or if it's encouraged you to build some bridges to people of other cultures, 
would you write and let us know about that? If you visit vomradio.net, you can click on the Contact Us link. We would love to hear your story and celebrate with you what God is doing in your life and the doors that he's opening for you in ministry. Again, that website is vomradio.net. We'll also, when you come to vomradio.net, give you links to order a copy of the different books that Dr. Andrew recommended. Again, the website, come and visit us, vomradio.net. Gracia Burnham endured an unimaginable saga as a missionary in the Philippines. She and her husband were kidnapped by the militant group Abu Sayyaf and held hostage for more than a year in primitive conditions. And ultimately, she had to make a huge sacrifice that no wife would ever want to make. We're going to hear from Gracia next week as she shares that story. I know you'll be encouraged. I know you'll be challenged. So please be sure to be back with us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.